Mmm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. What's good, everybody? Welcome in to yet another live episode of the Mile High Mailbag. It is Chad Jensen. It is Zach Kelberman. The Huddle Up Podcast, simulcasting live here on YouTube. Zach, how you doing, brother? I'm good. Another Thursday, another great week of podcasting, Chad. I'm interested to see what Broncos fans are going to come with us uh, in terms of questions today, coming off a win and entering another, uh, obviously, must-win game against the Titans. As you join the room, let us know you're in here. Shoot us some uh, some words of hello, and uh, we'll start you know, moving this conversation forward. But, Zach, as we kind of settle into this conversation, I wanted to get your take on what Vic Fangio had to say on uh, Thursday when he was asked about the injured right tackle, Jawan James, you know, how he's, how he's doing. Is he on track to play in week six against the Titans? And he said it's too early to tell, but what what really drew my attention is he was asked if you know what's how, what's the progress like, and he said, oh, he's he's okay, just okay. And to me, I hear him say that, and it comes off a little bit like I think Fangio's a little bit frustrated on mm-hmm. how slow Juwan James has been to kind of bounce back from that knee sprain, ten snaps into his Broncos career. It seems like that's one of the themes of Fangio. Injuries bother him. It's it, it, it annoys him when players get injured and they don't recover fast enough or, I guess, to the level that he thinks is appropriate. With, with James, though, that had the makings of a season-ending injury. The fact that it wasn't, the Broncos should consider themselves fortunate. I understand why they want him out there, but putting him out there too soon, all he's going to do is either be ineffective or re-aggravate that injury. He, uh, Fangio has to just be patient and uh, roll with Wilkinson right now at right tackle and hope they can get by. Yeah, I mean that's that was the biggest thing when do you remember that report? I think you actually covered it for the site back back in March, right after the Broncos had signed Jawan James, four years, fifty one million dollars. Whoopee cushion. The report that the Dolphins were laughing. Remember that? Yep, yep. Whoopee cushion. The whoopee cushion. And at this point, you know, you you have to wonder how much veracity there was to that right. whole whole story because it's been a big bust, not only with Jawan James now, but also Bryce Callahan. They've combined for a grand total of 10 snaps, and the Broncos are, you know, they're on the hook. They're accounting for about $20 million in salary cap space this year. I'm not even sure Bryce Callahan's a real person, Chad. Until he throws on a uniform, I don't think he even exists. I, that's that's the problem, though, with Elway. He tends to sign injured players, and shockingly, the injured players get re-injured. So you kind of have to go away and go against the green and not you know get healthy players. We talked about it with Callahan. The Bears had some great foresight knowing that foot was to be a problem. And I think the Dolphins, too, who were going to be tanking this season and gave up Laramie Tunsil also, they knew Juwan James was kind of damaged goods, and they were laughing at the Broncos for handing over at the time what was a record-setting contract. 
Welcome to Dion. Welcome to Jacob. Everybody who's running us live right now. Again, this is the Huddle Up podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle. It's powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, Zach Kelberman. We're coming to you from the Vivid Seat studio, and it's another Mile High mailbag because we are your football priests, and each and every week, we're here to offer you guys the absolution and the answers to your burning Broncos questions. And we have a few pre-submitted questions. And then obviously anything that our live viewers want to volley our way, we'll, we'll get to. But first, just a couple of quick matters of business, you guys. Make sure you are following the show on Twitter at HuddleUpPod. That's just simply the best way to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. And then don't forget to head over to Apple Podcasts if you haven't done this, even our YouTube viewers and listeners leave a creative review and if you like what zach and i are doing give us a five-star rating it does two things one it helps the show out tremendously and two it enters you into the drawing each and every month we're going to give away some huddle up podcast mile high huddle swag randomly selected to reviewers on apple Podcasts. so take care of that business this is the overtime podcast network A phenomenal win for the Denver Broncos on Sunday, beating the Chargers in L.A. for the second year in a row. Phenomenal. And they also covered. You guys, if you've missed out on any of the fun, there is still plenty of time left for you to get in on the action with my bookie. Of course, we got the Broncos Titans this week. But how about an in-game wager or some player props? Do you still think the AFC West might be in play with the Chiefs losing and the Raiders winning and the Chargers losing and the Broncos winning? You guys, go get great odds on that, too. That just scratches the surface, though. I mean, we have teamed up with my bookie this October to give you this great offer. Here it is. Ready? Sign up at mybookie.ag, use promo code OVERTIME, and they will match your first deposit. Again, promo code OVERTIME, and new users, you get your first deposit doubled. Mybookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. All right, Zach, let's just really quick jump to a couple of the pre-submitted questions, and then we'll kind of go back and forth yep. engaging here with our live viewers. Um, this comes from Harry Burgos. He says, who should be the second player activated off IR, assuming Drew Locke is the first? Emmanuel Sanders acknowledged that both Cortland Sutton and he were double-teamed the last game. Mm-hmm. So do you activate Tim Patrick, looking for a good number three wide receiver, or Theo Riddick, who seemingly can have numerous plays designed around him? 
I, I would probably go Theo Riddick only because it adds a new dimension to the backfield, especially as a pass catcher. It would make Devontae Booker null and void, but he doesn't get many carries anyway. It's the Royce Freeman, Philip Lindsay show. I, it wouldn't be Jake Butt to me. Uh, Tim Patrick's a guy who's he's a good receiver, but not he's someone you can win without. To me, they gave Theo Riddick a, a big guaranteed they like what he brought to the table his injury was unfortunate but if it was my choice i'd bring that other element to the backfield and see what you can do with uh scangarello yeah i'm i'm not sure jake butt is even going to be in you know shape health wise to be activated but yeah for me it's it's it'd be a toss-up tim patrick or theo riddick and at this stage it really would be a toss-up because I think the Broncos are getting really good production out of Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. And lo and behold, Royce Freeman has turned into quite the pass-catching running back. Now he's not necessarily a Austin Eckler who had 15 receptions <laughs> last week, but you know he's he's increasingly built up that aspect of his game. I'm not so sure you really need to inject Theo Riddick into that backfield and kind of screw up that chemistry and that that zone that they found themselves in. But at the same time, you know, the Broncos guaranteed them, what was it, a million bucks? So mm-hmm. you don't want to completely waste that money either. Right. Right. I mean, it's it's a large chunk of money to give to a guy you're not going to play at all. I can see your point. I mean, you need more weapons for Flacco. You have two good running backs as it is right now. I'm just saying to add that third type of weapon. And God forbid Philip Lindsay gets in. Both guys are coming off injury, Chad. Lindsay and Freeman. So God forbid they get hurt again. You have a guy, a veteran guy in Riddick who can come in and be that workhorse or be at least that pass-catching third down back in a worst-case scenario. This one from our live viewer, Jacob. He says, can the media please stop overblowing this Von Miller with Angio beef? <laughs> And you know what? Guilty as charged. This is something that, that both Zach and I, we've been talking about. Zach's actually been a lot more keen on this, picking up on the on the energy that's going back and forth between these two since Fangio arrived in January. And I just did a piece earlier this week on milehighhuddle.com after John Elway kind of weighed in on, uh, I think it was KOA Radio, with uh, basically saying that, you know what? Great players need to play great, and we haven't done so hot as a team. We got off to an 0-4 start. I like that Vic Fangio is challenging Von Miller, and you know that's what it takes to get the best out of players, and, and Von probably appreciates that. And then Von Miller came out today and said basically that everything's cool with him and Fangio. He, he has no problem with the way Fangio is coaching him up. He has no problem with his role in the, in the system. But do you buy that, Zach? I mean, I know Jacob's here talking about it being overblown, but I think there's, there's a reason why it's a conversation. It is a little bit odd, A, that – that Fangio has been as critical publicly of Von Miller that he has been. And then B, it corresponds to the worst start for a Von Miller through the first five games in his in NFL career. It's his ninth year. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's a beef per se, but there's definitely a little bit of a disconnect. And I think Fangio is taking a tough love approach with Von Miller. And I don't think Von really reacted to that or, you know, he responded to that in a way that Fangio would have liked. It seemed like Bradley Chubb fit more of Fangio's style. I wouldn't say it's a beef and, and nothing is going to come out publicly. Both Fangio and Miller will put on a brave face, toe the company line and not make this public dirty laundry. But behind the scenes, you never know what could happen. The longer that Miller goes struggling in the scheme, the longer you know he doesn't achieve what he should be achieving as a perennial Pro Bowl player, then the you know the the, the negative things could form bubble underneath the surface. But for now, I don't see uh, anything coming from this beef, and certainly not immediate creation. I'm not going to sit back and say Chad and I are the reason why they're beefing right now. There is an obvious disconnect that we've been seeing for months, and I think as it's been playing out, Fangio all but admitted that, and, and Von Miller just hasn't taken to that. So it'll calm down, but it's not going to be you know something that's going to come to the surface right away. And really, if Vaughn can go out and start 
if he's if he can produce a little bit more consistently than he has been to this first quarter of the season, all these tropes will go away, Jacob. Right. So, you know, the owner cares really, all. Yeah, it does. And and so does for if you're Von Miller and your job is to rush the quarterback, so does actually getting to the quarterback. So right. for what it's worth, I think Vaughn's got a couple of sacks in his pocket this week against the Titans because, you know, we talked to David Beauclair yesterday and uh, it's just a, it's a, one of the worst offensive lines in football right now. Here's one, Zach, from David. He says, how possible is it, in your opinions, that the Broncos can turn this around and push for the playoffs? Zach, you know, we don't want to get too far out over our skis, but it is a win. And the last time the Broncos started one and four, that was in, I believe it was 2011. They turned the ship around, ended up getting to the playoffs. However, they finished eight and eight that year. And it also happened to coincide with a atrocious AFC West. So eight and eight was good enough to win the division, get to the playoffs. Obviously, that's not going to cut the mustard in 2019, getting to 500. Right. They got to go at least nine and seven. And to answer the question how they can turn it around, it's truly a one game at a time approach. That game against the Chargers, that's in the past now. They have the game against the Titans. Then they have the game against the Chiefs. They have to take it one week at a time. They cannot look too uh, much in advance. And they cannot get too high off one victory. It's funny that Broncos fans, any sports fan really, they were 0-4. They get one win. And now we're talking playoffs again. I don't see a playoff team, Chad. I might be a little more pessimistic than you still. I think maybe even 7-9, and 8-8, eight and eight, considering how they started, would be a great finish for them. I don't see playoffs, but in, in, to answer the question how they get there, it's one week at a time, play 60 minutes of football, and play up to their potential like we saw against the Chargers. If they can do that, they got a, a decent shot of making a push. Jaron Ross asks, should we bench Todd Davis for the younger Alexander Johnson and Josie Jewell? No, my answer to that is no. Davis is your best run defending linebacker. Yeah. And Jewel, you know, unfortunately, you hear the the tropes that the injury bug shouldn't cost a starter his job, but that's just not the way it goes. It happens in the NFL on a week-to-week basis almost. I mean, and Josie Jewel, he was solid but unspectacular. He showed some good signs. He had one game, uh, I think it was week two, he had 14 tackles. I mean, he's, he's shown – some signs of really taking a step forward and getting that Fangio bump. However, Todd Davis on first and second down, undisputed. He's a guy that can just get in there and stop the runner. And Alexander Johnson, that's the first time we've seen a dynamic performance from a Denver Broncos off-ball linebacker since 2015. And that's just not something you want to mess with. So you got to keep him in the lineup. I think Jules the odd man out for now. Yeah, I'm with you, Chad. It, it, Jewel and Todd Davis, to me, are kind of the same player. Early down run stuffers, and if I'm going to have that same player, I'd at least like the veteran guy and Todd Davis. Then you can mix and match with the young guy and, and uh, Johnson. So, yeah, I'm right there with you. Jewel is a very, very average player, in my opinion. Good to average player. Doesn't really blow you away. Johnson's more of the playmaker, and then you have Davis as the run stopper. But coming off an injury with Jewel, Davis is healthy now, good against the runner, decent. Then you have Johnson making plays. I would go with that combination for sure and have Jewel come in off the bench. Buana B says, is Adam Gotsis going to still be a healthy scratch? Fangio addressed that. I think, Zach, it was on Monday, uh, immediately following the game. And he basically said it's going to be a week-by-week, case-by-case basis. They're going to yeah. out the opponent. And if they feel like they need more of that, you know, base, defense, run stuffing, five-tech, it'll be Gotsis who dresses if they see it as they kind of have that locked down with their starting three with Derek Wolf, Mike Purcell, Shelby Harris. They need more of a pass rush push from the inside with a particular opponent than you're going to see Gotsis sit. But, Zach, at this stage, with how well that unit performed, and that included Demarcus Walker and Draymond Jones with Adam Gotsis sitting on the bench, I think right now it's incumbent upon the Broncos where 
you know, it really looked like the vision Fangio had. Even though they weren't able to get any sacks, they pressured Phillip Rivers consistently from the outside and the inside. Takeaways, the win, they held him to six points offensively, 35 yards rushing, shut him down, 0 for 4 in the red zone. So we're starting to see that vision come together, and it just happened to coincide with some a few key personnel decisions. And I think at this stage, the Broncos, they'd be unwise to mess with that formula until proven otherwise. Right, just like with uh, you know Alexander Johnson, the Broncos shouldn't fix what isn't broken right now. Mike Purcell performed really well against the Chargers. He was a better run stuffer, in my opinion, the better overall player than Adam Goss's pound for pound. You can't take him out of the lineup right now for a guy you just made a healthy scratch against the Titans. A very run first team with Derrick Henry, big bruising back. I would like that beef in the middle with Mike Purcell. I, I just think he's a better run stuffer, and then you can you know you can use the rest of the players around him. So I would not have Goss's stress for this game. I would, I would stick with what's working right now with Purcell. All right, just throwing it back over to our pre-submitted questions here. This one comes from Sin G. He says, what up, guys? I'm an optimistic fan. Even at 0-4, I believed we could beat the Chargers. I think this team is finally ready to play to their potential offensively and defensively. We've still got issues to work on, but it feels good to work on them and win afterwards. Go Broncos. Yeah, I mean, a win is a win is a win in the NFL. It doesn't matter if by one point, 100 points. It's nice for Broncos fans to enjoy that feeling again. It feels like it hasn't happened in, since the Super Bowl. But, yeah, it's one game at a time, though. It's one win, just like every game was one loss. you got to take it one week at a time. And hopefully the Broncos now can string together a winning streak, and then you never know what can happen in the second half of the season. It does feel like things are starting to come together a little bit more little than bit. the offense. Yeah. You know, there's st- we used to pound on them for not starting off or for starting off so cold. I mean, week one and week two and week three, actually. First three weeks of this season, they kind of got off to slow starts. And then in consecutive weeks, they get out to, you know, a couple of score leads against the Jaguars. They weren't able to hold on mm-hmm. to that because they fizzled in the second half. And then in the in the Chargers game, they also fizzled in the second half. But thankfully, that defense was playing inspired football. So it's one of these kind of it, – it was a one-step-forward, two-steps-back type of pr- proposition from this team overall. Now I think they're kind of treading water, but they're still going one step forward, one step back. They're kind of treading water, but I think they're showing signs, Zach, that they can take another step forward here and, and find better consistently consistency anyway on both sides of the ball. Now this one comes from pre-submitted from Sheldon. He says, finally some good defense this week. Excited for the win, but – I'm worried if they win some more before week eight that they'll decide not to bring back Drew Locke, which would be the most awful decision they can make. And depending on draft needs, who do you think the Broncos can get as free agents next season? Um, Zach, I don't think either of us have really spent much time looking at the 2020 free agent class up to this point, but your thoughts on that fear. And I think I've, I've spoken to this in a previous podcast this week. That's my big concern. If they go on a little bit of a mini run here in the next two, three weeks, and it kind of coincides with that that decision point, that window of time in which they have to make a decision on whether or not to activate Locke, that they rest on their laurels thinking, okay, we, you know, we got this, we can mail it in, keep him on the bench, only to you know, come out of that bye in week 10, after week 10 anyway, and just see this season you know, get even worse because they finish sub 500 and they don't get any looks at Locke. Right. For a fan, it's really a rock and a hard place. you got to pick one. You either want the Broncos to win games with Joe Flacco and push for a playoff berth this year, or you want the Broncos to lose games and to see Drew Locke. It's one or the other. They're not going to win games and play Drew Locke. 
I hate to use the word tanking or root for the Broncos to lose, but if you want to see Drew Locke, if you're a Broncos fan that wants to see him on the field in meaningful games and as the, the potential successor to Joe Flacco, you got to kind of hope the Broncos will go on another losing streak. It's the only way it's going to precipitate change here. Fans getting... Um, throwing their hands up and not coming to the stadium. A lot of turmoil in the locker room. That's the only way a change is going to happen. The more wins they stack up, it's only going to make Flacco's leash that much longer. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't think we're necessarily advocating for you guys to you know, hope and pray for Broncos losses at this stage because the season is still alive. But just keep that energy going, letting the front office know you want Drew Locke activated. At this stage, Zach, I'd be, I'd be shocked if they don't activate him, but – you never know. Sometimes this front office makes decisions that seem to be completely, you know, deaf, dumb, blind to what the fans <laughs> want. And, and more power to them because, you know, a front office shouldn't make personnel decisions based on what the fans or what the media are calling for. But sometimes what the fans and the media are calling for happens to be the right thing. Now, this one from Two Bayou, Two Bayou. Uh, he says, Kareem Jackson is doing well at safety. Do you think that is where he will stay? Also, how do you think that Derek Wolf and Vaughn Miller's performances have been? Zach, we've talked quite a bit about Vaughn. How have you felt about Derek? And then we'll get to Kareem Jackson. I've always been more of a, I wouldn't say a hater of Derek Wolf, but I, I never thought he was this great player like most other Broncos fans think he is. He's a solid player, good against the run. He's been good uh, rushing the passer in, 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 in a few seasons, but he's been very injury prone. He's getting up there in age. He's expensive. He, to me, is replaceable and a guy that I don't really foresee coming back next year. He's played well, though. He's not the biggest problem on the team. In terms of Kareem Jackson, to answer that question, I think the Broncos are going to prioritize cornerback high and heavy next offseason. In free agency again and in the draft, uh, Adams a bust. Bosby's coming off a, a very major injury. Chris Harris Jr. is probably going to be gone next year. I think they should keep Jackson at safety because he's thriving there, but it leaves them a whole cornerback. So I, I think, you know, again, another situation where you don't fix what's not broken. Kareem Jackson staying at safety is literally dependent on the health of the cornerback depth chart. Right. And, you know, at this stage, they've got four healthy guys. Chris Harris, uh, let me let me count them now. Chris Harris, Isaac Yadam, Duke Dawson, who actually popped up on the injury report today on Thursday. He was, he was limited. Uh, and then, of course, Devontae Harris and now Cody Sensabaugh. So they're five deep. It would be a lot easier, smoother sailing if you could get Bryce Callahan into that equation. But for now, I think they have enough strength in numbers. It might not be the greatest quality of depth at this stage, but there's enough strength in numbers there to keep Jackson where Vic Fangio wants him at the safety position, where we have seen clearly the last couple of games especially, but on the road in L.A., he is a true difference maker. Now, here's one from Dion Hicks. He says, hey, guys, am I a bad Broncos fan if I just kind <laughs> of am waiting to see Drew Locke? No, I think you're a good Broncos fan for wanting to see the, the future of the franchise and not have Joe Flacco back there. That makes you a progressive fan. You always want what's in the best interest of the team and not the name on the back of the jersey. So I commend you, Dion. That's a good fan wanting to see the future in action, and I'm right there with you. If the Broncos from Brandon Barrett are 4-5 and five going into the bye, do we put Drew Locke in? My answer mm -hmm. here is absolutely. I, I would still do it. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but will it happen? No. No. It's not going to happen. John Elway's not going to bench Flacco until the playoffs are mathematically impossible. But and then it, it becomes a conversation. If they're one and eight, though, I mean, then it could become a conversation. If they just rattle off a huge losing streak again, that's the only way it's going to happen. But four and five, they're right in the thick of things, and he'll go right down to the wire with Flacco. Sinji says, however, 
I like to win. So Flacco it is for now. A lot of winning that's bringing. (laughs) (laughs) Don't get caught up in the John Fox, you know, Kyle Orton gives us the best chance to win uh, ethos. I mean, that can only get you so far. That's fine when your quarterback is Peyton Manning. Yes, he gives you the best chance to win, clearly, night and day. But Kyle Orton, that began to ring hollow about three games into that 2011 season. And it really, at this stage, at least to me, rings hollow. Now, I'm not advocating, like if Drew Locke was healthy today and was on the bench, I'm not, I wouldn't be advocating necessarily for the Broncos to, to bench Flacco, especially on the heels of a win. But I would be, my finger would be on the trigger. Like I'm, I'm ready because Flacco just, you know, he's been Joe Flacco. He's been solid. But despite all his veteran experience, despite his big arm, despite all of that, he just hasn't been anywhere good enough to elevate this team beyond its, its natural ability, like a true franchise quarterback can do, and cover holes. This Broncos team came out of the gates clearly with a lot more holes than we anticipated, mm-hmm. and Joe Flacco has been helpless against it. He all those things he has, he's solid, but but so unspectacular on the field. And I, I understand that Elway has been putting out those those puff quotes on Flacco, and he's been kind of selling him as his franchise quarterback. But they're it's one win. I mean, I don't see the success, the overall success, and this resounding success that Joe Flacco is bringing. Let them string together a winning streak. Let them beat the Titans and the Chiefs. Then we'll talk Flacco as a quarterback that's bringing wins to Denver. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Deb says, why did we ever take Harris from defensive end and put him at nose tackle? We always take people out of position after they become good at it. I don't understand the coaching. And that was a curious move, but I think the, the, the thought process there, Deb, was that Shelby Harris had played a lot of nose tackle for the Broncos. He was mm-hmm. a rotational guy, played everywhere on that D-line, but he had played nose tackle. Now, he had never played starter snaps at nose tackle in terms of the amount, the level of snaps he was getting, but... I think the thought process there was let's get our three best defensive linemen on the field, and it just made sense based on body type, experience, ability, and all that skill set for that to be Harris in the middle. Clearly it didn't work. He was He's just not stout enough at the point of attack. For example, Carl Dummler had a great film breakdown at milehighhuddle.com today on Thursday, breaking down Mike Purcell and how he was able to anchor that defense uh, against the Chargers and how that opened it up for everyone else in that front seven to basically play to their strengths. And that's just not something that Harris was able to do. I'm glad the Broncos finally recognized that. But make putting Purcell at the nose tackle position, Zach, what that did is kicking Shelby Harris out to defensive end. Now you're getting that Shelby Harris that Broncos fans came to know and love over the previous two years. 
Yeah, Chad, you hit on it perfectly there. Uh, Shelby Harris really thrived at nose tackle in, in, in Vance Joseph's system, which is shocking because he performed well there, and he just didn't make that conversion into Fangio's system. For whatever reason, maybe different gap responsibilities, whatever, he has the frame, he has the ability and, and the, the, the skill set to be a better defensive end in the scheme in the 3-4 and not at nose tackle. Mike Purcell is the better prototypical run stuffer. I question why it took the Broncos so long, not only to make Harris a defensive end, but to even activate Purcell, but better late than never, as we know with coaching. It all comes down to that in the end. Kakara says, I'm just not sure in Locke as much as you guys, considering how much reps and time he's already missed. You know, don't mistake what we're saying for some massive vote of confidence in Drew Locke, thinking that, for example, he's some, like, sure thing franchise quarterback that's not necessarily what we're saying and you shouldn't mistake what that that's what we're saying what we are saying though what we can't ignore is he was the broncos almost drafted him at pick 10 like he was on the table john elway was ready to do it there were other options as well the trade back option came into play so they traded back and then at that point things just evolved and even still they drafted him in the second round quarterbacks you take in the premium rounds especially in the first or second round. And, and Drew Locke at pick 42, I mean, he's only a few picks removed from being a first-round pick. He's a player that the team has long-term uh, future upside, the way they view him. And you got to get those guys on the field. you got to get Drew Locke on the field. Now, if you are the uh, Green Bay Packers and you're winning and Drew Locke's your backup, it's not a conversation because, A, you've got Aaron Rodgers and Drew Locke can wait. But in Denver right now, Joe Flacco is no – Aaron Rodgers, the Broncos have not been winning. They're three games below 500. So it becomes a conversation. And that's all we're really saying is that if this season kind of continues along the trend that this first quarter or so has has shown so far, you got to get to Drew Locke sooner than later because this is a team that's not going to contend in 2019, which means you need to get as many answers on Drew Locke in the present in 2019 as possible for multiple reasons, not the least of which, Zach, is in case he's not the guy, Right. and shows himself not to be the guy yeah. this year, you're going to probably be picking at least in the top 10 in in 2020. Maybe you do need to use that on a franchise quarterback uh, prospect in the, in the top 10. So these are all the factors. Bottom line is it comes down to two things. If the Broncos are losing and they're way below 500, the more important it is to get Drew Locke on the field. That's what I was going to say. We know what we have in, in Joe Flacco. We don't know what we have in Drew Locke yet. And I, regardless of what he turns out to be, even if he's bad, the Broncos have to know what his, he's made of. He has to have a, an audition of some sort to see if he can be that franchise guy. Chad and I aren't saying he's the next Mahomes coming in off the bench and replacing Flacco and being the next MVP. But you have to at least take that shot. you got to keep swinging for the fences until you hit a home run. And, you know, using these bridge quarterbacks, Keenum and Flacco, it's not the answer. You need that young guy in the game as soon as possible. Because like Chad said, and I've been saying in the last couple pods, it's all about evaluation now. One win is nice, but 2019 is all about evaluation for 2020 and beyond. And Drew Locke was drafted for 2020 and beyond. But before that, you got to kind of have to know what he can bring to the table. So it's it, it's definitely an exciting prospect for the Broncos. It's not something you should just uh, uh, totally be combative or ad- adversarial toward. And look at it like this. I mean, this is a team. Now, this could change, but they're on pace to have a 3-13 and season. Okay? If your team goes 3-13 and and you just drafted a quarterback in the top 50 that same year and you don't get him on the field mm. and he's not injured for the year or something, it wasn't like an ACL or a shoulder or something, 
then your front office is bad business. Yep. It's just bad. It's it's bad. And and Bronco Fanatic ninety seven here makes a great point. You can't forget Drew Locke, he's not a complete unknown. He was ascending to the backup job before his thumb injury. He was playing very well, especially those last two games before the thumb got better as the preseason went on, Zach. Yeah, he was. I think he was locked into the backup job. He he really turned it on from week one to week two, and that thumb injury just torpedoed his stock. But I tend to wonder if he would have really the light bulb would have went on. We had another Chad Kelly situation like last year when he was pushing Keenum. You never know. Lock could have made starts sooner than later. It's just that thumb injury kind of put him behind the eight ball. But you know when he's healthy now, starts practicing and activated. Never know what can happen. Brian Bowman says Joe Flacco had Todd Heap. The tight end was his man, and that is followed up by Buana B saying Dennis Pitta left. And Flacco did struggle. Noah Fant is simply a prospect, not a threat. Now, I want to check you on that, Buana Beast, because if you go back and watch the tape, I don't know how many of you have to pay for a NFL Game Pass subscription, but we do. And one of the benefits to that is you get access to the coach's film. And there was, on that first touchdown drive, on the Broncos' opening possession, which they got a touchdown for the first time in, I think it was 13 games on, on an opening possession touchdown, there was a swing pass. Once the Broncos got into the red zone, there was a swing pass to Royce Freeman. And, uh, well, it was more like an outlet pass that, you know, he dumped it off. Meanwhile, Noah Fant had streaked up the left seam, was wide open for a touchdown. Flacco just didn't see him. He just didn't throw the ball to him. He had already decided almost before the snap he was going to go to Royce Freeman on a dump off and hope that he could make some noise, make a guy miss on the perimeter and get to the, to the end zone. Noah Fant is kind of caught up in – a, he's a rookie. He's he's going through the learning curve, the trial and error, um, acclimating to the speed of the game. And B, he's playing with a quarterback that, despite the historical tendencies showing that he loves the tight end, as you guys pointed out with Pitta, Todd Heap, he's not throwing to the tight end. I don't know why. I, I wouldn't say, obviously, that Noah Fan is a Travis Kelsey, George Kittle type, but even if he doesn't catch passes, he is being game-planned for by opposing coordinators. Coaches know what he brings to the table. He's a seam stretcher. He has speed. He has power. He's in that Gronkowski mold, and we've seen glimpses, brief glimpses of that in action, and coordinators know it's only going to be a matter of time before that light bulb turns on for him, and when it does, the Broncos have a potential pro bowler, so even if he's not catching passes, even if Flacco's missing him, him being on the field, by virtue of him being there, opposing coordinators will have to account for him and game plan for him. So he's at least helping the Broncos offense in some capacity. All right, swinging back really quick to a pre-submitted question here from Dallin Joseph. He says, do you think it's time to get some value for Emmanuel Sanders? It looks like every week we are shifting the offense more and more to Cortland Sutton and Deshaun Hamilton. I'm not sure about the day, Sean. I don't know where you're getting that because he's kind of disappeared the last couple of games. But Sutton clearly has emerged the last two weeks. Three touchdowns in the last eight quarters of play. He's he's basically emerged as a top ten wide receiver in the NFL. And Sanders had one target, one reception, nine yards against the Chargers. Is it time for the Broncos, Zach, to aggressively pursue trading partners for Emmanuel Sanders? I don't have the the numbers at the top of my head. I don't know what a trade would do to the salary cap, but what value would you even get for Emmanuel Sanders coming off that Achilles? He hasn't come back and, and been overly productive. I know he's been uh, you know hurt by the Flacco offense, but even for a sixth or seventh round pick, what coach or front office would give up that knowing he'll probably be cut next offseason they'll probably make some calls and maybe take some calls but i i really even a conditional seventh rounder i wouldn't even see for emmanuel sanders at this point if he was playing better had the numbers to back it up i could see it but right now uh he's just probably stuck on this roster 
for the rest of the season. If you could get a third round pick or uh, excuse me, if you could get a third round pick or better, I I would listen to that conversation. But at this stage, I really I believe it when there was a report from Mike Kliss, you know, I think it was Saturday before the Chargers game. And he basically said that Von Miller is not on the on the trading block. That's not even a consideration. And for now, neither are Chris Harris or Emmanuel Sanders. I actually believe that at this stage. I think if the Broncos go into these next three games and lose more than one game, it becomes a conversation. But for now, I think that one win gave Elway in that front office just enough hope to say, you know what, I want as many of my veteran um, assets as possible to see if we can turn this ship. Yeah, that's where the rock and the hard place comes in because every win is going to justify Elway's proclamation of the Broncos being this win-now team, and every win is going to get Flacco more leashed and every current player more leashed. So until that changes, you're not going to see any sort of shift in, in mentality or culture in Denver. It's pretty much going to be the status quo. All right, a few more here, guys, and then we got to get out of here from Nevets 4433. There is a nightmare scenario where we go 5-11, and 11, never play lock because we get a few wins, and don't get a top draft pick. I pray that doesn't happen. We pray right alongside you. That right. would be the nightmare scenario. And you know what? At this stage, John Elway might not be able to control exactly how many wins the Broncos get. What he can control, though, is whether or not Drew Locke gets back on the roster. And I think if Drew Locke gets back on the roster from week nine on and the Broncos, you know, they get to that eight-loss point, it's pretty much gonna gonna rule them out. I mean, depending on where they're at in the season, that's gonna rule them out. That's where the decision point can come in. And it's like, look, you know, we gave it our best shot with Flacco, didn't work out. We got a big draft coming in 2020. We need to get as good of an evaluation on Locke as possible. Yeah, we can't fault Elway for healing up Locke sooner or you know or slower, but we can fault him for not playing Locke, activating Locke, changing the culture in Denver. If they get to a certain point, like Chad said, a certain loss point, a record point, you got to think about the future. And I don't know, Elway is going to think that uh, long term. He's a very short sighted guy, and unless that changes, I think it's going to be Flacco for the foreseeable future. Jaron Ross says, "Can we talk about how great Dalton Reisner was? Dude was a complete steal." No doubt about that. I mean, he was a first-round caliber guy. The Broncos were able to get at the top, basically, of the second round. And pro football focus, they've they've been pretty um, favorable in terms of their grades and view of Dalton Reisner. Even though he's only got a 67.3 grade through five weeks, it's the, the second best for rookie offensive linemen through those first five weeks. I think he's played better than a, you know, that's basically like a C, C-minus type of grade. I think he's been better than that. Um, but give him some time. Um, I think Eric Trickle and his his week five grades did a pretty good job of kind of showing that they kind of Dalton Reisner kind of has plateaued the last few games, which you expect for a rookie who's still acclimating to the NFL. And a lot of times the rookies hit what they call the rookie wall, and that's where the plateau they, it it kind of either stays or they start de- declining a little bit. I think what you're going to see is Reisner's kind of hit a plateau for the last few games. I think pretty soon here, though, you're going to see him bust through that ceiling and, and start climbing again. 
the thing about Ryzen or Chad, you and I both fell in love with the guy at the Combine. I mean, his presence alone, his way with the media, his personality, his his love for the game of football caught me uh, and took me completely back, and I was very impressed by him. And he just seemed like a perfect fit for Denver. He's a plug-and-play, typical plug-and-play starter, kind of a poor man's Quentin Nelson. And when you have a guy like that, that's a 10-year starter, perennial pro bowler. It's only going to be a matter of time before he makes an all-star game or earns an all-pro nod. He's a really, really good player, only scratching the surface right now. And what says to me is that he's been mostly consistent and really good despite the line falling out around him, despite Garrett Bowles, despite Jawan James' injury. He's been the consistent factor, a rookie playing guard, not center. So that's, it's, he's a terrific player and by far uh, the best rookie from this draft class. And just such a great story being that he's a Colorado kid yeah. from Wiggins. So uh, two more, and then we got to get out of here for today, you guys. Nivette says, how about our secondary? I worry that we are one injury away from a disaster. Feels like we are snake bitten back there with the injury bug. You know, there, there's two injuries, I think, that could really take the Broncos out at the knees when it comes to the secondary. Chris Harris and Kareem Jackson for any, you know, significant length of time. As long as Chris Harris can stay healthy, I think the corner group can kind of limp by. You lose Kareem Jackson, and you saw against the Jacksonville Jaguars, not only are you taking a hit in coverage, but really you're taking a hit in terms of that physical presence in the box, in run support, you know, because a lot of times what teams are going to try and do is they're going to come out on first and second down in 11 personnel. That means they're going to have three wide receivers, a tight end, and a running back. And they're going to basically present the option to the defense that we could either run it here or pass it. The Broncos are going to stay in base defense. And when that happens, you need Kareem Jackson to be close to that line of scrimmage and swarm and, and make the tackle like you saw against the Chargers. If Kareem Jackson was healthy, Zach, in week four against the Jaguars, I really don't think, A, Leonard Fournette goes on to rush for 269 yards, and B, well, the team rushed for 269 yards, Fournette going over 200 yards himself, and B, I don't think the Jaguars are able to fight their way back into that game. I was going to say any injury right now to any position and the Broncos, maybe except running back, would devastate this team, especially the secondary, though. They just don't have the horses, the depth right now. They're being racked by injury. I agree with Chad, though. I would say with respect to Von Miller, and even not with respect to him, Kareem Jackson is the most important piece of this defense right now. He does everything. Safety, corner, slot. They're a different defense when he's on the field, as Chad hinted on. And he goes down. Um, I'm not liking Justin Simmons and Will Parks back there to, to be replacement players for him. So, yeah, definitely Kareem Jackson. Got to pray he stays healthy because he's a difference maker in the secondary. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. <laughs> And Zach's right that, you know, the Broncos have suffered so many injuries already so early to key players, including Callahan, including James. I mean, God only knows what the complexion of this team would be if those if the Broncos had both those guys as they envisioned on the field to open this this season. So, you know, just uh, say your prayers to the football gods, you know, do what you got to do to make sure no other injuries happen to that secondary, especially. But Buana B says, hypothetically, if Drew Locke plays and he does not perform, would you go QB next draft? Zach, for me, the answer is no. I would still want to give him more time. Um, unless I'm just trying to think to myself here how bad it would have to be for right. me to go, whoa, that was bad. Because even if you go back to Paxton Lynch's rookie year, okay, he started two – did he start three games? Either way, the amount of time we saw him on the field, there was a lot of good. There's some exciting things and also some bad. But it wasn't enough to go quarterbacks off the table. You know, we need to go look for uh, an, another quarterback. I'm not sure how bad it would have to get 
But you know what? Drew Locke could come in. Let's say the Broncos end up rolling with him the final four games of the season. They're out of the playoffs. They roll him in. Even if the Broncos go 0-4 in those games and Locke basic, you know, comes out with a – you know, he's behind the eight ball in the touchdown to interception ratio, I still don't think that's enough to, to, to say, okay, that was a mistake. Let's focus on quarterback in the first round. I don't really have a good answer for you in terms of how bad it would need to get, but I'm just not sure Locke could show anything up to this point to really say to the Broncos, he's not the answer. We need to go get a quarterback in round one. Yeah, my answer was, what does not perform well? It's such a subjective answer. I mean, it, does that mean he doesn't throw a touchdown pass? Does that mean he doesn't throw for many yards? If he has even a three-game audition, that's not enough to tell what he's made of. So I think between that, not knowing, and they're not going to know for a, a full season, obviously, and being tied to Joe Flacco for 2020, I would be very, very surprised if they won quarterback in the first couple rounds next season, uh, next offseason. They have two guys they're high on right now, and uh, they can't avoid you know investing another dice roll and, and ignoring other positions like tackle, like like the secondary. So I'd be surprised if Herbert was the pick next April. Christy says, Cody Parkey and the double doink will be on the field. <laughs> Might be a game changer. Between him and the McManus, it's going to be a, a definite uh, a whirlwind of kicking in that game. Should be interesting, though. All right. Uh, and Christy, good to see you in the, in the chat here. Last one, and then we got to get out of here. From JL Avenger 23 he says, Hi, guys. Good to see you again. Can it be that Locke and Riddick come from IR, come off to, from IR this season? And what about Cody Sensabaugh as a cornerback? Opinions, mile high salute from Costa Rica. Um, starting with Cody Sensabaugh, number one, it doesn't sound like he's going to be um, active this this week anyway. I think that by next week, he's going to be in the equation. And just like you saw from Duke Dawson, just like you saw from Devontae Harris, He's probably going to be slowly worked into the rotation. It's going to take him some time because Vic Fangio's zone coverage schemes, man, they just they're a lot more complex and they take a little bit more time to sink in. And uh, for for coaches to feel comfortable and confident that the players have it down, but I think you know probably Locke and Riddick as far as coming off IR at least today, those that seems like the two most likely candidates. Yeah, we touched on that earlier in the show. It's going to be probably Locke and Riddick, and uh, that's. Uh, I would be surprised if they brought back Tim Patrick. I just think he's a very uneventful wide receiver. Good guy to have, but not anyone they can't replace, and obviously not Jake Butt. So I think that's going to be the easy choice there. All right, you guys. That's got to do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up podcast. We simulcast live here on YouTube. Thanks for all of our live viewers. It's always great. Zach and I look forward to these hangouts yep. with you guys. and engaging with you in these conversations that spin out of these great questions and, and comments. So thanks for joining us. We will be back on Sunday with the gut reaction live on YouTube immediately following the game. So stay tuned for that. You'll have a fresh episode of building the Broncos, the scouts I preview waiting for you on Saturday and then another Dove Valley deep divers episode uh, sometime between Saturday morning and Sunday morning. So stay tuned for that. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter at huddle up pod. You can see there, where to follow myself and Zach, but for those listening through the podcast apps at Chad and Jensen at Kelberman NFL, have yourselves a great weekend. We'll see if the Broncos can string together a couple wins. You never know where this thing can go from there, but we'll see how it shakes out. Zach, you have a good weekend too, my brother. You too, my friend. All right, you guys have a great weekend. We will talk to you on the other side. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.